You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. I'm the dude, you know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Ah! Employed? He likes sex, Mr. Lebowski. Is this your only ID? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Jeff Lebowski, the other Lebowski, the millionaire. Welcome, listeners. Just a quick note before we get going on this episode. Uh, The guys talk about their recent Sedona trip. And if it sounds cool to you and you're interested in going riding, checking out what Sedona has to offer, I would encourage you to go to mountainbikeradio.com slash off air. That's off, O-F-F-A-I-R. Because in March, we are going to be going to uh, Sedona in a trip with Chasing Epic. So March 16th to the 19th, 2017. All the information and how to uh, book that trip is over on mountainbikeradio.com slash off air. And um, use the code MBR off air and you get a free mountain bike radio jersey with that, uh, with that booking. I will be there and uh, we're looking forward to getting some mountain bike radio listeners out there. So like I said, if you like what you hear in their discussion and descriptions, um, go over and check that out. Thank you and enjoy this episode of the Path Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. We are uh, recording tonight from the Path Bike Shop. Welcome um, to you, Nathan. <laughs> Could we keep that intro? Keep on going. And w- welcome to you, too, Auk. Same to you, Tony and Nathan. Uh, so that that movie, we could probably do a whole podcast just on the Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I thought we would open the show to that as an homage to the most talked about movie of 1998 to 2015 at, at the Path Bike Shop. <laughs> we used to have this game, Carl and I, we had play where while we were working on bikes where we would just be talking and within the context of normal conversation, how many big Lebowski lines we could include <laughs> without breaking rhythm or having it not fit. Right. <laughs> I would we imagine. got a lot in there. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I became like Pavlovian trained to just fall asleep at the, at the opening credits, just like put them on and I'm out. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I I have to imagine though this is this movie has talked about it. I would say most bike shops throughout the country that establish a, a certain level of cranky mechanicness and informed employees. It's one of those things you got to scratch below the surface to appreciate it. Yes. I uh so uh as I was um going through high school and college I actually worked at a various bike shops throughout the summer this one being one of them in college <clears throat> This is not the only bike shop that discusses the Big Lebowski <laughs> on a regular basis but the most in-depth thorough and appropriate discussions oh, yes. were oh, were yes. had here Yes You know it's uh, yeah very literary <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah Wow, I knew we were going to have to talk about the Big Lebowski for a while once you played that intro. <laughs> well, to all our listeners, um, yes, we enjoy the Big Lebowski. So one thing, I, one more thing on the Big Lebowski. I was maybe not smart enough to appreciate it for the first at least one to two viewings or something. 
perceptive enough, tuned. Like I just, I didn't get anything about it. And then though, on like even on the hundredth viewing, I was still getting new things about it. <laughs> yes, lots of subtle depth and texture. It, it's like a good book. Have you guys heard the theory that um, Donnie is a figment of Walter's imagination, like a, a fallen war buddy? Oh, and it was th- mind blowing to me when I heard this. Adam recently texted Carl and I this theory and kind of blew our minds. Wow. So do, then what do you rewatch the movie and see if there's actually any actual interaction with him or uh, it's like a mostly like a, there's very little interaction between Donnie and anyone except Walter. And, and there is this thing where it kind of seems like the dude's always kind of humoring Walter about Donnie. And there's that final scene where the dude asks Walter if Donnie was shot and Walter's like, no, dude, there were no shots fired. And that never made sense to me. Like, why would, why would, why would the dude think that there were shots fired? Like he was there. But like if if the dude was kind of humoring Walter, like oh yeah, so was Donnie shot? Like your buddy? Like, <laughs> oh man! Uh, okay. But I think the Cohen brothers have addressed this and and claim that um, Donnie's real. Donnie's a real character. <laughs> but it is fun also to watch the movie and only watch Donnie, and it's a whole different movie. Ah, interesting. <laughs> We could do a whole show. We should move (laughs) on. You guys got to stop me. (laughs) All right. Shop news. Shop news. All right. (laughs) Short, short, sweet, and to the point shop news. (laughs) A little extended discussion on the Big Lebowski before the shop news. Yeah. So, dude. um, (laughs) So, the 2017 Path uh, Path Race Team application period is open. So if you are interested in becoming a Path Race Team member, please send a resume to Megan at thepathbikeshop.com. And so um, you could list uh, recent race results or maybe not some some your CV on race results or volunteer uh, activities uh, in, the, in the bike culture and community. What else should we include? Far out. Far out, dude. <clears throat> so send that over to, to Megan at the pathbikeshop.com uh, uh, and get the, the race team applications in. We also, Dios mio, man. <laughs> we also have uh, the 20, uh, the, on 10 16 so that's this Saturday, the Path Anniversary Party in Tustin. So if you're hearing this and it's after this Saturday, 10-22, um, sorry, but you're You've missed a, a wonderful party, sales event, uh, barbecue, maybe some bike sumo uh, going on. So that's that's coming up here on Saturday at Tustin pretty much all day. So there's going to be barbecue, food truck. Uh, so come on by. Let's see. Another interesting demo day is coming up here on November 3rd, Thursday at 4.30. It's a reservation only. By reservation only for the Rocky Mountain Demo Days on Thursday, November 3rd at 4.30. That's going to be out of the Live Oak Shop. So I think it's reservations required because it's going to maybe be a group ride going on. So uh, get in touch, give us a call, and come ready for some cool times on some great bikes. Maybe you might be able to get one of those cool Slayers to go demo. Let's see, last demo uh, days on on the ticket here is the Kona Demo Days, which is looks like next Wednesday, uh, October 26th at Live Oak. The date or the time is still to be determined, so check back on the website 
www.thepathbikeshop.com for more inf- information on the Kona Demo Days. Again, that's Wednesday, this upcoming Wednesday, 1026 at the Live Oak Shop. Along those lines, there's some cool new, uh, cool new bikes and frames uh, available here at the shop. The big Hanzos came out uh, and are actually here at the shop. So those are the extra Bs on the 27.5 Hanzo. Be an interesting, very interesting uh, ride. There's also another one of those get an extra set of wheel sets and have two bikes bikes. Too. Exactly. Get a 29er wheel set and uh, you got a 29er and a, and a 27 and a half plus. That sounds very cool. The Hanzo DL uh, complete bike. Those are, those are here at the shop as well. Uh, Nathan and I were checking those out uh, on past visit and they look very sexy. We've got all kinds of Hanzos right now. Two versions of carbon, aluminum, two versions of aluminum, all flooding like we're we're jamming away like elves building them <laughs> <laughs> awesome and then um let's see there is one hey hey trail frame hanging right above me since we're podcasting here from the uh the Tustin shop the hey hey trail aluminum frame uh man that sticker price is that right it says 13.59 boom oh that's pretty impressive uh you might want to talk to Nathan a little bit more about <laughs> details on that frame in a couple there, weeks. There were two earlier this evening. <laughs> well, and Brian and I are thinking about building one up single speed, not to digress and make our shop news last forever. <laughs> That's awesome. But like Heinrich, take yeah. a Heinrich cue and build one up single speed. That's kind of what I'm yeah. thinking. That would be awesome. We still got to get that. Still got to get that guy on as a, as a visitor, I guess. Uh, so anyways, that seems, I think that's it for me. Cool. Awesome. Man, I have so many. Can I, I really almost want to go back to the uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> we have this guy who comes in the shop, and his name, his last name is Badowski. <laughs> and he used to live in Venice, and, like, he dresses like the dude, and he yeah, talks like the dude. Herbert, dude. <laughs> Every time he comes in the shop, it's like, oh, hey, guys. You know, and it's just all dude style. And one time I asked him, I finally just broke down and asked him, like, 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 are you, is the big, is the dude based on you? And his answer, his answer was this. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but I, I did some research on the, on the webs and, um, apparently there is a person who it's based on and it's not this guy, but it's got, he has to be an influence. I swear <laughs> there's no way he's not an influence. Anyway, now we can move on. What if he self-styled after the dude? I don't think so. It's like too real <laughs> and it's too, uh, it's just too, too, too much. Too genuine. He, yeah. He even has those same like faded threadbare muscle pants or whatever they are. Oh, oh nice. Man. All right. I think I got that out of my system. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you guys would enjoy that intro. (laughs) I love it. So, um, man, what about our Sedona trip? Yes. So we got to keep the glow going. We we do have to have one caveat is that we did. We did say we might podcast and record from the road. We ended up not doing that for, I think, lack of time it was her fault (laughs) it was her fault (laughs) it was her fault i don't think she would have been very pleased with that so basically we'll give you the general pretenses ak booked us we we took tawny's awesome new sprinter van 
and we used new 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 Datani Sprinter van. Um, and I, I actually one person came up to us at the uh, the RV park and explained to us there's two types of people in this world: those that have sprinters and those that want sprinters. <laughs> we learned a lot from the RVers. We we, we did we did so. Ak, Ak booked us at this. Um, very nice RV park in Sedona, right down by the river. Very clean. And so we were sleeping in a van down by the river. And um, But I think it was owned and operated by the most anal person known to man, known as her. It was known, owned by her. The employees referred to her as she or her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I, I explained as one of my little things. So I, this is the story I based this on is the, this guy, David, who's a good friend and and um used to work at the shop and he was he was getting married and he had started to get real comfortable with his fiance and he started rather than using her name he would refer to her as her and especially you know you never you never say her or she or he when it's like well you do but it's it's always like why you can't go out with your friends <laughs> or why so, you have to wait for your RV site. Yes. When, yeah, Some we, oppressive <laughs> rule that you, you, you are. She forced. would not like that. Exactly. We, yes. We got yeah. explanations on why we couldn't park when the spot was clearly open and clean, why we couldn't move spots before a certain hour and why we couldn't use the fire pit. That was a fire pit. <laughs> it was all because she doesn't like that stuff. And it really started within five minutes of arriving. Yeah. So we talked about her a lot. <laughs> yes. And she influenced our conversation <laughs> quite, quite a bit. We beat that into the ground. We might continue to. <laughs> I think she we, would be we, proud of us. She would be. <laughs> <laughs> so the the uh, she so had like, these signs. There's this there's this creek, and she had these signs everywhere that said "Not a creek entrance," and then right. an arrow. So like you didn't know like does that mean where where's the not creek entrance <laughs> exactly? <laughs> not a creek entrance, and then an arrow underneath pointing to the side. <laughs> where is the not a creek entrance? <laughs> so we did go swimming in not a creek. <laughs> Everything was framed in the what things aren't. Yes, she and really liked negative. framing things in, in what things aren't. Yes. Um, but it was, Barking dogs will not be tolerated. Oh, they had rules. So many rules. <laughs> there was, there I were. mean, that the fa- I mean, there's one favorite rule. Yes. <laughs> her, her, her rule that I loved the most. Well, I don't know what your favorite rule of hers yeah, is. Go for it. But my my favorite rule of hers was when she had it in her rule book that um, she would not tolerate inappropriate alcohol-induced right. behavior. <laughs> no. Which begs the question, like, are you allowed to have inappropriate behavior for other in- inducted, <laughs> from induced other reasons. inductions? <laughs> or just general inappropriate if behavior. What if you're induced by um, meth? <laughs> but yes, no, no alcohol-induced inappropriate behavior. Yes. That was awesome. There was a lengthy list of, there were rules, dude. And her everywhere. list was not short, and she met all of it. Yes. The brochure, the RV brochure, probably a full three quarters of it was rules of what not to do and what will not be tolerated. What will get you ejected from the park? Exactly. Her employees obviously lived in in terror of her wrath and of what she would do if she <laughs> exactly. found out what was going on. Because uh, I I walked back and after we found out how clean our site was, uh, but we had to wait until after noon for the cleaning crew to come through. Yeah. And so the door was open. And she was outside, uh, and then I was talking at the counter to the employee, and I said, you know, I I know I asked this before, but our site is really clean. And even if it's not perfectly clean, 
we really don't mind. Can we just pull in? And her employee kind of leans over and she says, she is very strict about this rule. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to wait. So we waited. Another favorite of mine was when the employee was on the phone and the employee was explaining how she doesn't let them interact on email unless you're from out of the country. Exactly. <laughs> Where did the person want like a like an email confirmation? Right. Or like, she doesn't let us do that unless you're out of the country. <laughs> oh, man. So we're probably now on the, maybe breaking a record for minutes of not talking about bikes on our, at <laughs> least true. on our own podcast. Yes. That's right. So the uh, the RV park in Sedona. While very nice and very neat and tidy and clean, there are perfect lo- access for the hangover trail. Yes, perfect. it was. Yes, very much so. And I think the order that we rode the trails in worked out for me because if I had to ride one of those trails with a hangover, I think it would be the hangover trail. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess to fill you in, we we packed up after work on Friday evening, and then we we hit the road from southern california headed towards arizona kind of late like six yeah well the traffic traffic going that way is really really awful so the later we waited the better chance we would have early we're gonna get there we were winning time yeah (laughs) exactly exactly yeah by waiting we were actually gaining time essentially at this rate of savings how can you afford not to spend (laughs) (laughs) and so uh so we headed out and ock found a good campsite out in some new like regional park out in Phoenix, out just outside of Phoenix. So we posted up there, and uh, God, we must have got there at like one? one. Yeah, and then we cracked a couple of beers, had a little, had a few drinks. All of a sudden, we looked. It was like four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it like really me. quick. I don't stay up till four anymore. I, I, I don't it's either. Probably been a decade or two. But we did spend about half an hour. Like reassembling my cot. Thank you, Nathan. The answer is two engineers. Two engineers <laughs> it takes to figure out how to assemble a thermarest cot. <laughs> but we got it, so I, I slept outside, and it was very nice. Perfect weather. I was really intentional about not, not having any input or commenting. <laughs> that was greatly appreciated. <laughs> at, at some point, Ak was fumbling with it, and it just dawned on me, I'm like, there's no way it's it's it can be this difficult. There's no way it was designed like that. It was that. late at night. There was a beautiful, distractingly beautiful sky. We were yes. looking forward to riding. Yep, yep. And when the funny thing is, when we woke up, um, we realized it was like a regional park. And we woke up, and there was like dozens of people around, like running and hiking and, and, and yellow the jackets. And, yeah, and yellow jackets. And the park, the, yeah. the parking lot was full. So when oh, we got yeah. there, one, it was completely empty, no, yeah. like, completely secluded. We're like, man, they built this park out here and no one uses it. Yeah. <laughs> they use it first thing Saturday morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they, so yeah, we that. rolled into we, Sunday morning we wake up, or Saturday morning we wake up, get chased out of the bathrooms by the yellow jacket. So we're looking for a place to get to, like, go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So we end up in the DK's Donuts. Yep. And you know what? We're not going to get to bikes because once we got to DK's Donuts, <laughs> there was this woman with a face tattoo, like a young woman, like about the age of my daughter's, with a face tattoo. And that's okay. You know, people can have the tattoos. And that's cool, man. Yeah, it's okay. That's that's fine. It was early in the morning and I don't have anything wrong. I don't have any problem with face tattoos except for the uh, so the statistic that my friend once told me that 
I don't know. Forget it. Anyway, it just it, she seemed like a rough type, and um, then I noticed that the dude she was with was strapping. And welcome to Arizona, seven o'clock in the morning at the donut shop. R- ruffians with guns. Ruffians doesn't. Any, we're gonna go get some donuts. It's cool. I didn't. <laughs> I did, I, hey, I'm an piece. expert. I'm a weapons expert. Guns don't scare me. <laughs> 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 So we, we, we got our morning beverages and snacks and got on the road to Sedona. And we did. <laughs> yeah. We, we, retreat, we retreated the hippie dump. It's all the pe- that that along with all the people on the freeway riding with motorcycles with no helmets. That was interesting. Me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Motorcycles with no helmets. So yeah, we then we got in, got into Sedona about noon. Made Made a good lunch. No, it was and earlier then, because she wouldn't let us get into our site. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we had to <laughs> like wait till the yeah. early afternoon. <laughs> exactly. But we, she couldn't slow us down too much. We moved over to her pro- other parking day use right. area. The right. staging and, area. Uh, yes. Where she couldn't see us behind some bushes, we made some 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 salad. Salads, and, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually very good. The, the salads were good. Um, thank you, Tani, for fixing those very up. Very simple salads. Delish. Yeah. I think we had some cheese. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. We had the goat brie. Yeah. And right. some avocado and some mixed greens with oil, just olive oil and vinegar and salt. And yeah, that made that made a perfect pre-ride meal. And some tuna. And some, some tuna. Yeah. Tuna, you're right. You're oh, right. man. I, I just remembered when you cooked up those, those. Uh, oh, what did you make? You, you had butter and onions and. Uh, Were they oysters? The canned oh, oysters. Yeah. Butter, oysters. That was creative. You guys enjoyed those onions. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Anyway, so we got into our campsite eventually after she let us. <laughs> yeah. After her employees re- f- figured that it would be it okay with enough. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, the site did get cleaned. It was immaculate. She runs. She runs a tight ship. She does. Yes. I mean, kudos to her. That bathroom was air conditioned. Cleaner than mine is after I clean it or my wife. Well, I it. hope so because it's it's closed from one to three every day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two, she <laughs> yeah, likes to get it closed for she, two hours of cleaning. She closes it for two hours, one p.m. to three p.m. every day to clean. Yeah, the shower, the bathrooms and showers. Yeah, get get closed uh, for two hours a day for cleaning, and they remain air conditioned. Yeah, that was nice. Oh man, that was that was really nice. It was a little warm in Sedona. It was, yeah, yeah. The first day. I think it cooled off the second day and third day, maybe. Yeah, it, it steadily cooled as we were there. It was like peaking out at 80 and then like peaking out at like 75 and then it was like down to 70 on Monday. Yeah. yeah. So then we we kind of geared up after lunch and getting settled and um, and then, then we headed out to the hangover trail. And for those of you who have forgotten, like I had, that three or four or five beers at four in the morning is a little different than at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> Man, it's really different. <laughs> I was I was really struggling physically when we went up to the Hangover Trail. Luckily, that's it's a relatively short loop. It's right. beautiful, but yeah. yeah, it was it was fun. Well, I guess uh, you know to. To also just give the pretense, we, we talk about Sedona a lot, and it, they're probably like, those California guys, it's a, the only place they go out of town to ride. Well, we were planning on going up to Santa Cruz, yep. but then there was a fire up there, and we weren't sure how that was going to affect our riding plans. Yeah, so, man, we had kind of gotten things almost totally squared away. We had intended to 
you know, hook up with some of the locals up there and and uh, maybe even try and get into the Santa Cruz factory to. to we had it set up. There. We had a tour set up at the Santa Cruz facility, and we we're going to ride the campus trails with one of the Santa Cruz guys, and then we we're going to go ride Demo Forest. And, and we're then, st- we still have to do that trip. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then what happened was the Wednesday, I think, before we left, um, fire broke out. And I think by the time we, by the time the weekend rolled around, it was 10% contained and had grown to like 5,000 acres uh, in the mountains just adjacent to where we wanted to go ride the demo forest. So it was really unfortunate. We, we kind of changed directions. And like Nathan said, just hop in the van and point it down a different freeway. So the hangover trails, it's mostly a fire road climb. And then at the end, toward, you know, the upper maybe third of the climb, you traverse across kind of a, a rocky, um, exposed kind of rock. You're kind of on a ledge on the edge of a rock face kind of. Yeah. But traversing Real, back like, and forth. Yeah, ledgy, punchy, short, not even – it almost feels like you're there's there is no besides the fire road climb extended pedaling sections. Right. Lots of little like one to three foot surge up something almost vertical right moves. Right. So that's that's actually the majority of the climb. I mean it's beautiful, right? I mean the the if you take a moment to to look around, it's it's pretty beautiful the, the area that you're riding in. But it is exposed and it is ledgy and it is physically physically taxing. Do you think yes. people ride that that hangover trail? Like, I think I, in order to ride that with a lot of flow, I'd, I'd definitely have to cut my bars down. Yeah, probably. And, I, and even then, it seems like it would be more of a kind of like pick your way through a lot of those sections. I would, but maybe that's because I'm kind of like not super stoked on being next to elevation to like exposure to. <laughs> I wonder like if we next to a, a possible death cliff. Exactly. I just can't really imagine riding super fast on my bike down. Definitely with wide bars. There's so many like rock outcroppings that kind of like push yeah, well, you out to some exposure, and then yeah. they you know quick turn back. So you're you're turning with the exposure, possibly off camber to the exposure. Exactly. So. So yeah, you get up to the you get up to the top of the hangover trail, uh, and it's kind of in I don't know, in like a a very large notch between giant rock formations. I wouldn't even call it a notch, it's like <laughs> almost like I don't know, a mini mesa between two giant rock formations. Oh the yeah, the crest part of the yeah. climb. Yeah, yeah. So it's kinda cool. You can kinda see both ends of town. Right. When you're up there and you can see the bridge coming out of Flagstaff and stuff like that. It's it's super cool. Yeah, so that we you kind of stop up there, take take in the views before you start the descent down the hangover itself. I would say though like, you know, the interesting thing about the hangover trail is that um I would say the rest of the trails don't necessarily have those same challenges like the bar banging challenge, you know. Well, with, I really like the flow of the hogs in Highline. Yeah. And those had much less of like you're going to bang your bar on a wall and maybe go over a cliff. And a lot more areas that just to me made sense as having flow. Yeah, it opened up a little bit more. So the hang hangover trail, I think, is a. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a for anybody that does visit out there. It's a unique, more of a unique trail. But it's not like the white line gnarly. No, no. Yeah, it is. It is. 
on the edge of some exposure and everything, but most people will be able to comfortably go slower, maybe walk some sections. Yes, yes. for sure. People, especially people listening to our show. Yeah, for sure. It's maybe not that woman who exclaimed, "My stars, <laughs> my stars." <laughs> No, was that a hiker we passed? <clears throat> I think she had come up in one of the four-wheel drive tours. Yeah. Oh, right. that's right. You're right. Yeah, that was at the base of, wasn't that at the base of the White Lines Trail? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I, right. Some guys we ran into, one, one guy just rolled down like a little three-foot roller with a transition at the right. bottom. And, right. My stars! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ever since then, I've been into these ultra, ultra G-rated exclamations. Really... <laughs> Gracious. Gracious me. <laughs> My dear. Yeah, so that, the hangover is the legiest, unique, I like it, um, uh, bar knocking at risk of threat of death type of trail. Yeah. Scenic. And it is definitely scenic because there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of exposure. So you're right there looking out over the edge, which is beautiful. So that was actually a good, good, and for our listeners, I think if you've ridden like Gooseberry Mesa and certain and and like some of the some of the trails, some of the trails in in uh, Moab, it's kind of reminiscent of Sedona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that. That's very the, true. especially the trails that have like the little spurts of technical climb, and then a little more pedaling, and then a little spurt of technical climbing, and you're always kind of challenged mentally and physically and like your core is always working right and you're always like redlining for a second and then recovering and then and you're always kind of trying to gauge where it's worth where it's worth it to push hard to make it through a section or where you should just get off and walk or where or where you maybe don't need to push hard to get through the section or it's all you're always kind of trying to figure that out and i like that kind of riding yeah that was yeah definitely i'd like to go out to i've never been out to gooseberry Maybe that's where we'll go next. Yeah, I haven't either. I've heard very similar things, but yes, I have. I have not been. So there. Gooseberry, that it's not in the middle of a manicured little pop-up um, s- suburban copy thing, <laughs> where there's a Whole Foods and a fully stocked uh, cheese bar. Well, and like, yeah, <laughs> and and little strip malls that look like they could be in Irvine. Yep, very much so. Yeah, a couple of them. Sedona has gotten a little bit more. They've got a great Whole Foods though. Yeah. It is a very nice cheese lady. The cheese very lady, very tolerant of Ak and I, and our indis- our, our, our long um, paralysis by analysis shopping so, for cheese. Yeah. So I, so we we they didn't want to load up the bikes. We didn't want to reload the van, and so these guys went to Whole Foods, and I I just posted up and watched the bikes at the campsite. But uh, that was one of the learning experiences of this trip: is uh, these guys are really into their cheese. <laughs> We like food. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, th- this mission inc- involved cheese because we felt that it would be a good choice to complement other stuff we were doing. Yep, definitely. I think that was Bison Burger Day. Uh, that was grass-fed uh, um, yeah, grass fed beef, but we right. had the bison roast that oh, we got right. at the that deli. We, we also that was like cooked rare and awesome, yeah. locally, um, so responsibly, the- probably, <laughs> probably drawstring yep. pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let to run free, yes. And um, But yeah, so we went to the, we got stopped at, I don't think we meant it to play out this way, but the cheese counter was impressive. 
yeah, we got to sample some cheese. We ended up with like a, we ended up with like a crushed espresso crusted. Um, <laughs> I forget what it was. It was like a mildly stinky hard cheese. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, like right. mildly hard, mildly stinky. Yep. <laughs> and it yeah. tasted like cheese on crackers. <laughs> this was after we had, you know, kind of tested textures of various cheeses, and we mm. we were poked them, poked them. <laughs> Dare I say, dare I say, squeezed them, fondled. Um, at first, I think the lady Man. thought we were joking, but then when we started kind of talking about the different kinds of cheese, and we, what was the? We might have come off as a caricature <laughs> of like a, a couple shopping for cheese. <laughs> at a certain point, I couldn't stop myself. It was kind of like, what do you think of this one? Like, uh, I don't know. Like. Uh, Okay. Do you think we could find what was that cheese we were looking for at Trader Joe's that we couldn't find? You think? Do you think they have something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think when we went there, that's when she kind of opened up and like she let us sample some of the cheese. Yes. Once once she got her um, price of admission, <laughs> with a little more show. Yeah. <laughs> once we put a once we put on a little more show. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> So, anyways, that was a <laughs> it was a fun trip to to Whole Foods. Yeah, uh, we had had a great dinner, <clears throat> which actually led into a great breakfast. So the food was great. The trails were amazing. That second day, second day of riding, so that was Sunday morning. Uh, we we got a we got a great night's sleep. Oh yeah, I mean, seeing that she we, keeps that place quiet. She does keep that place quiet. It's in the rules. It is because sometimes it's good when. Um, there's a woman in charge, and she um, is no nonsense, and and provides a lot of structure and discipline for 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 the for all of us. There there, there was a lot of harmony in, <laughs> in, imposed. That's true amongst, and maybe maybe the RV culture likes that. I got the impression that the RV culture is about the rules. For Remember sure. when we rolled in and that RV woman turned and looked at us and like openly grimaced? <laughs> <laughs> we we well, if you rolled into this RV camp and you said one of these is not like the other, the the white van with the dirtbag mountain bikers hanging out of it was was it, definitely the and one. it's all relative. Like in some circles, we would be the clean cut guys, maybe right? Or at least yeah. two of us, right? Right? But <laughs> yeah, and our, the van's like. You know, it's a sort of recent model, and it's not trashed, and it's not, not covered but it's in not, stickers. It's not converted. It doesn't have a bathroom in it. <laughs> yeah. Right, and it doesn't have a, a motorized awning on the side. No motorized yeah. awning is a dead giveaway that maybe we're not real RVers. <laughs> yeah. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but it does have windows on the side. She openly grimaced. She did openly grimace. <laughs> this is a different one of person. Right. Not, this this is, wasn't her. This wasn't her. It was just a different, it was just a, a female. An RV participant. <laughs> I think. I think we only think we saw her. We might have seen her. Alleg- I, yes. But this is really only speculating. Yes. The woman in the golf cart with the headphone with the headset with the one ear piece exactly. thing in exactly. and seemed the, like she might fit the profile. She could have driving been. driving the golf cart with purpose. Exactly. But I never saw that I never saw her walk in and out of the private residence. Very uh, private <laughs> residence. Yes, there are private residents. So in this in this uh, RV park, there's you know obviously RV parking spots everywhere, and then in the center was like a little house, and 
about every six feet, there was a sign on the fence around this house that said private residence, no trespassing. Private residence, <laughs> all Do not enter. Around. She had lots of signs everywhere. <laughs> lots of signs. Because <laughs> you needed to know the rules. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, once we got situated and had a good dinner and learned the rules and we got a good night's sleep and then we went and we rode again uh, from the site. Yeah. Yep. We rode. What, what, what trail did we ride up? So we ended up, well, and here's the conversation you missed out on. As we were riding up the road and Ock and I were just a touch ahead of you and we turned in a roundabout and start heading up at the church, I look at Ock and go, we, we, we missed the start of the trail. I, I went too far. And Ock, I said, but we can take this other trail. He's like, that's okay. Tony's not going to know. Just don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> so we ended up going up to, there's like a church like built into the rock. We started there and then kind of went, in front of the mountain and then linked into the hogs. What we should have done is gone in earlier. Um, it really actually, it was only like five or 10 minute difference, yeah. but yeah. there was a moment where I was like, Oh, I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so now, you know, um, the things so, you learn about your friends, <laughs> <laughs> keeping things from me. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, we did the like high on the hog and hog heaven. We did that kind of loop, which is over by kind of the broken arrow area. And, and then, I would say those trails have flow if you've got the fitness and skill to make them have flow. Right. Yeah. For some, they're like f- survival. Pro- I've, we saw a lot of riders on the trail who were kind of less like, surviving. Yeah. It's yeah. The, those those were all black diamond trails. Like, you know, like Hangover is a double black diamond. Highline is a trail we did actually on Monday. That's a double black diamond. So we, we were kind of seeking out the harder rated trails there. Um, and the hogs are definitely a little bit more more technical but but super fun um and then we um so we did that loop and then you're like we, always making a move you're always like waiting or unwaiting or spurging yep. or setting up or like respecting something <laughs> or yeah or like trying to figure out what the line is or you're always you're always your brain is always working and bodies you know m- muscles in your body that are always like like in your core and your back and your shoulders are always working that you're not necessarily used to working on your bike all the time if you've had that kind of stuff. And then there's a few, maybe three or four big features on the on that high on the hogs. Um, oh yeah, there's a couple like rock roll ins where like there it's not straightforward. You have to almost like do like a wall ride and drop in and like not slide into a crack or off an edge or something. There yeah, there right. were a couple of like that one crack. reminds me of that turn towards the end of Joplin, where you go high, right, high, yeah. high to the left, and then cut yeah. to the right. Right, right. So yeah, basically, like the you know, like let's say you're going down this trail, and you kind of your the trail like goes down some rock feature, but it's not just like a turn and where you can go straight down. You have to basically like carry momentum through the turn in such a way to, like, if you were to stop, you'd slip down into a crack or slip off. The face off right. the face, so you have to kind of hit it with momentum to stay glued to it, and um, so it's a little, little tricky. And I think all three of us kind of took a look at those features before we hit them. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they were all pretty fun, and yeah, definitely, so. definitely. Um, but yeah, everything's super punchy. It's you know you don't pound out a lot of miles there, but you get pretty tired pretty easily. It, it was. Sometimes well, I got really tired every day. <laughs> sometimes you look at you your yeah, sometimes you look at your mileage and it's you almost feel embarrassed because Yeah, and the elevation too. You end yeah. up you don't climb a ton, but it's 
like Tani was saying, like you're always, you don't get a break. You're never just like cruising on trail quite often. It's, it's up, it's down, it's punchy climbs. It's little step downs, little step ups. Well, and um, it's, for me, it's the kind of thing that kind of strings you along. Like you're like, Oh, I'm just going to get up that. Oh, I'm just going <laughs> right, to get up that. Right. You're always, you like red lines to a little more, a little more. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Right. And then, exactly. It, and then it gives you like a, a 30 second recovery as you cruise. Along it's like a really like a good coach. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But the cool thing was then later that day, we ended up riding from Sedona down to Oak Creek, which is, you know, Sedona's at the north end of kind of the trail system, and Oak Creek's kind of at the bottom. And uh, we had quite the bodacious lunch. That was very good. And what is the trail system that drops from the white line uh, down you know, into? I, I don't remember what the, it was like Llama or something oh, like right, that, that right. kind of connected us down. I, I don't remember the exact trails, but at some point we jumped on the highway to get down to to Oak Creek. Right. And then we came up back up part of Slim Shady and then we kind of called it a day after that and jumped on the highway and pedaled back into Sedona. Right. Refreshed right. in the creek. That was nice. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, Super cold creek. I think we actually found the creek entrance. We found not a creek. We found well, we found creek. We found areas that didn't have signs that say not a creek entrance and an arrow pointing somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we figured that was... Exactly. Good enough. And we... Unfortunately, we did break one of the rules that said do not walk through. We walked through an open campsite. Yeah. We, yes, I'm going to have to openly apologize to her. Yes. Yeah. We're sorry. We, she we, would have been unapproved. Because we knew the rules. Disapproving. Yes. We, she would have been disapproving, we yes. We knew the rules. Yes. She would not have approved. <laughs> <laughs> she but would that, have been very disappointed. But that creek was cold. It was very refreshing. It was yeah. very refreshing. It was very cold, but not so cold that it puts you into like that borderline hypothermic like shit. Shiver. It was close. It was close, man. <laughs> not as cold as the current is right now, I'd say. Uh, At least I not believe up, it. above the bridge. I believe it. So, anyway, yeah, as warm as it was in Sedona, I mean, it was, you know, peaking out at 80 at some of the days, the creek was cold. It was coming down from, I assume that creek comes down from Flagstaff. But. Yeah, I would imagine. Anyway, so yeah, so our. To our listeners, again, like if you ever make it out there, if you fly out there, um, if uh, if you don't live in driving distance, um, you can always go to like all the bike shops there are primarily in the rental business. So there's plenty of shops to rent bikes from. The trail system is really well marked. I mean, most of the trails at intersections have you are here maps now, which is amazing there. And, you know, the trails are all really good. So Certainly a great vacation destination, um, and uh, it's really coming into the good season now in the fall, and and then through the winter, it can get a little snowy sometimes, but then into the spring, those are really the primo riding seasons. We we got there a little early this season, but it was um, it was a fun weekend, a super fun weekend. So the last day on the way out, on Monday on the way out of town, we went and rode Highline and Slim Shady and something yeah. else, and Yep. And you guys got me one more time to pedal till I didn't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Highline, I think Highline might be my personal favorite. Highline is super fun, yeah. I'd say Highline and the Hogs are tied for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, that mix of... Yeah, anyway. Tied, yeah. tied for awesome. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So there's our Sedona recap. But you say, you, you said, did you, you say you might have scratched up your scout? Oh yeah, that w- we. I think you were behind me at that point on one of the climbs. I 
punched it and oh, slipped out yeah. and tipped over. And right, so, right. yeah, I've got that new uh, transition carbon scout. And uh, yeah, I put some scratches on it. But oh, yeah, I took a nice critical. chunk out of my carbon cranks. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. That's you took a big chunk out right of Right in like cranks. the last half hour, 40 minutes yeah. of the right. day. Yeah. Leaned over into a turn and misjudged a rock and glanced off it at the kind of where, where the the non-pedal end of the crank. Yeah. Well, and just because we are a bike show, just a quick recap. I rode the... Um, the 27.5 Transition Scout Carbon, which I think worked out pretty well. Yep. You, and you guys? I rode my, uh, I, I rode the Tall Boy, Tall Boy 3, the Tall Banana. 29. 29. 29. With XO, I, I have XO1 Eagle and Ock has XX1 Eagle. Yep. Right. So you guys both rode Tall Boys. Ock, I'm curious, because that's the second time I've been with you to Sedona. The first time we took like full-blown Enduro bikes. Right. And this Process time you took, yeah, yeah <clears throat> with beefy tires. And this time you took a lighter bike. So which one did you enjoy more in Sedona? Wow, that's um, I think I might have talked to you about this a little bit earlier. For ninety-seven percent of the time, the tall boy, it was more enjoyable. Yeah, but then there was a couple of butt pucker moments where you're like, oh. <laughs> the, the process would have been nice. I would say there was nice. exactly one section where I felt a little undergunned on the tall boy. And that was that um, extended, chunky, steep, shooty to transition to shoot section towards the middle of Highline. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Everything on the hogs, I felt like the tall boy was totally like a great tool for. And everything on hangover, if. If I didn't ride it, it was mostly just because I didn't want to deal with what was going on near the exposure, and a bigger bike probably wouldn't change that much. And you were going slow, yeah, like right. But there was that one section. It, there's a lot of just big deviations and contours and chunks of rock that are embedded, and it's steep enough to where you're not going to be able to really maintain be breaking completely you're not going to control your speed all the way right, right. and you can't see, quite see the bottom of it from the top of it right maybe after having walked it i'd ride the tall boy on it but that was the only time i walked a section where i was thinking to myself i wouldn't i would rather be riding this but maybe on a different bike mm. so the second date question if both of you if let's say we were going to go next weekend what bikes would you take Knowing, knowing. Well, riding with that. you, I, I would, I wouldn't change a thing because I needed all the help I could get on pedaling. Ock, I think I would take the tall boy with a one thirty fork and maybe slightly meteor, meteor tires. Yeah, interesting. Okay, meteor rear tire. Cause you got Definitely, a pretty yeah. meteor, meteor the ardent tire. race on the back. So my internal monologue is, oh, maybe I would do a one thirty fork, and I was like, I wonder if that would make it flex fore and aft even more. <laughs> either that or or maybe the you know uh, i almost was thinking sometimes the process with um a lighter wheel set and maybe exo exo rubber instead of the double down rubber i think if you guys had been on those types of bikes i would have been happy on my process as well but i think most of those trails i think i like the tall boy type bike better because yeah. there's so many like hard transitions and stuff where all that travel is just like squish, squish. And, and really there's not a lot of super high speed where those types of bikes really come to life. Yeah. Yeah. 
and really the sections that are high speed, you can do it on the tall boy. Yeah, very much so. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, or a fifty ten or that style, like lighter trail bike, like the lighter side of enduro X or like XC trail or whatever. XC heavy duty, heavy duty XC. <laughs> Which after so after one of the things that I kind of thought about is I might have put like uh, the I might have set my my fifty ten up exactly like you have your transition scout one forty on the front. Ah, uh, okay. So that's a good point. On that one section that I didn't like, I could see that bike being better. Yeah. Or the section I liked, but I didn't ride. Right. First world problems, what bike to bring. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, man, what a fantastic ride. What a fantastic weekend. But cool. I think, like, a lot of those really fun traversy sections of the hogs where you can carry speed, but you're always negotiating terrain and stuff. Those are really fun on a bike that's kind of poppy and snappy, and I could see going kind of slow on them on my one fifty three like that's a that's a good point and like the cape with the capability of the tall boy and the ability that it has to roll some of that smaller ledgier stuff to keep that momentum going, I think made those sections a hoot. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd want too much travel out there, right? Because there's so many like hard, hard G outs and hard yeah. transitions and yeah. and hard kind of explosive moves. Yeah, very much so. Agreed. So, shall we wrap up Sedona? Yep, sounds good. Sedona's a wrap. Super fun trip. Um, I think what's next on our list because we haven't really been keeping on top of them lately <clears throat> are some listener questions. Sure. Why don't we start with your question about what's on your top tube? Oh, yeah. That that was an old question that I forgot to get to. So, yeah, we talked about um, one of the things on all my bikes. I have like a, a piece of tape um, for each bike that kind of helps remind me what the suspension setups are. Because especially if there's a, a bike in your lineup that you don't tend to ride too frequently, um, you want to check the air pressures, and if it's not your only bike, you probably don't have it set to memory what your air pressures are. Um, and so on on my – like I just have a little sticker somewhere on the bike or on the top tube or whatever that just has – you can put it anywhere, really. And it just has, um, you know, air pressures front and rear. And then sometimes if I'm kind of tuning in the bike a little bit more, I'll put notes on how many clicks on the, the clickers I'm running. You know, like uh, – how many clicks of rebound. Mm, um, And so in a lot of stickers you'll see, especially as I'm working through a bike, you'll see a lot of numbers written and then crossed off and written and crossed off. And so it kind of gives me the history of what I've been changing and how I've been setting it up. But it's, you know, when it, when it finally settles in, then I just leave that on the bike. And so let's say, like I said, I haven't ridden that bike in a month or where I'm need to service the suspension or whatever. I know exactly what to set that bike back up to. Yeah, that's pressure a, wise. I've actually picked up that that tip and trick and one of the things I also did is uh, I've I've started noting how many uh how many air volume spacers I have in the fork. Oh, uh, okay. So and in the rear shock? Not in the rear shock so much, but on the fork cuz I've found both on the pike and on the on the 34 on the um on the tall banana that I've actually played with the spacers a little bit and I've found it helpful to note. Yeah. 
So basically, it's suspension setup notes yeah. Yeah. or anything else that you're kind of playing with that's quantifiable that you can write down. But mostly, mostly it's suspension setup notes, and and to me, most importantly, it's pressures because, like I said, you can if a bike sits for a while, sometimes the pressures change a little bit, or or if you go to elevation and you want to double check your pressures, um, it just lets you lets you keep those consistent. Sweet. Yep. Good call. So that that actually was a, a long-standing listener question that, uh, like I said, we don't have the best organization system for the listener questions, and we kind of scan through them and try to go over the ones that we think are appropriate for show questions, and sometimes we respond on email to some of them, but um, we do appreciate the listener questions, but we do have a lot of them. We have uh, currently have 56 pages but worth don't of listener- just Don't be discouraged if you've got a great, great question. If you we have very a great well question. white. If you yes. have a great question, we might we might cherry pick it. That's yes. right. Um, and we're I'm working on the organization system for them. But anyway, we're getting to some questions now. Should we do Christopher? Sure. It's two parts. Let's do it. P- part one and part two. So, hey, Path Podcast. My new to me bike has a PF thirty bottom bracket. All my prior bikes were threaded, and I have a spare XX one GXP crank set. Any good experience with certain brands of bottom bracket adapters, or is it best just to find a PF30 crank set? And I would say use that GXP crank set and do not ever run anything PF30 if you can avoid it, (laughs) or BB30. BB30 and PF30, in my opinion, have destroyed the reputation of press fit bottom brackets for mountain bike. Agreed. Um, But you can run... A wheels manufacturing PF30 to GXP bottom bracket. It it, it 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 comes with bearings, and the center section kind of threads into itself, and it presses in, and it's sweet, and we've had good luck with them. And then you can run your GXP cranks, and you'll be better off with that than you would spending a bunch of money. Even it, it's better in every way than any BB30 setup or press fit 30 setup that you're going to run. Um, yeah. So that's my advice on that. It's ninety nine bucks, and it's cheaper than new cranks. It, it turns your it turns your PF thirty into a GXP. I love it. Yeah, the one that, the one that we're passing around right now turns it into a Shimano, but oh, okay. it's the same concept. It's just different. Yeah, just different bearings. Yeah, and it lets you tighten it down. And basically, I, I've given this recommendation as well. I had a friend who was building up a a bike that was a PF thirty frame. He's like, "Oh, what cranks do I get?" I'm like, "You get the GXP cranks." And I think at the time I recommended the Praxis Works one. Which is also good. Yeah, this one wasn't out yet. Um, but yeah, it's the same general principle. It's two two sides that thread together, keep and, it. And there's still the press fit interface. It's like the, the yeah. threading is a redundant. Right. But what it does is it keeps the bearings axially aligned versus Correct. it doesn't let the bearings ever have any misalignment from each other. So whenever there's a press fit and there's two different sides, there's the potential that they're not on axis. Yeah. But with this, there's also the potential that probably those bearings are too small and they're going to fail. Yes. Quite possibly. I mean, we saw so many bad bearings on BB thirties of various brands and we would put these on there and sell them new cranks and they would get better. Right. That's a, it, it is a very clean. So both of these solutions, uh, very clean solutions. So part two of Christopher's question, while we're on the topic, what's the crew's opinion on the industry's shift from press fit back to threaded BBs? Why does it seem like BBs are still, or 
press fit like BBs. press fit BBs are still popular with road bikes, but slowly going away for mountain bikes. Because mountain bikers know what's durable. Well, and I think because BB thirty and press fit thirty gave gave the, the, those were early early standards that big brands used heavily, and mechanics saw tons of issues with, and I think it gave us a bad taste for for press fit. And I think that even kind of the in the know consumer, the the kind of consensus among many people is get a threaded get a frame with a threaded bottom bracket. And, you know, like Santa Cruz talks about how they really thought about going to, they've talked to me about how they really thought about going to press fit and they know, they know that people don't trust press fit and it's part of the decision. They did on the stigmata and unfortunately it's PF 30 and their, their decision was, um, the, uh, commonality of PF 30 or BB 30 cranks and road, which Whatever. <laughs> I'm a big believer in BB92. Um, yeah. Giant and Pivot and some of the brands we sell that use BB92, I don't see – I don't think we replace the bottom brackets more frequently. And I think they're – in terms of the interface between the frame and the bottom bracket, I think those bottom brackets are actually less prone to creaking. Oh, okay. Um, compared to a threaded. But I – but they are the, – the, the downside is they are more – they're a little more difficult to replace maybe – Especially if you're, right. you know, I wouldn't even say that. It's just different. It's different yeah. tools and it's a different mindset and you're going to kill the bottom bracket when you remove it. Right. Which that's, that's a little bit of a bummer, but yeah, I mean, all things considered when given the option, yeah, threaded to my first choice, 92, BB 92 would be my second and then everything else a distant third. I also think BB 92 might be stiffer. Well, BB92 is one of the few that gives you more perch. It's a wider so frame. It's a, mm-hmm. The yep. frame is wider at the bottom. Exactly. Bracket. And that's the downside of the PF30. PF30 is narrower. That's BB30 a, are such narrower. Such a poor design. They should have asked us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have you guys talked to the guys who did ISIS? <laughs> no, not ISIL. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah. Um, threaded bottom brackets work great. BB92, I believe, works great. Stay away from BB30 and PressFit30, in my opinion. And if you I'm, get them, get a get the adapter. I'm going to go out on a limb, too, and address the point of the question of why Why did mountain bike, are they going back to threaded? I think mountain bikers have a stronger eye for reliability and durability than road bikers because we go out into the woods and we're harder on things. And we see bikes get abused and beat up more. And so we have, we're more attuned to what's easily serviceable, what's long-term reliable, those kind of things. So I would say that's why maybe mountain bike has had a little bit of a backlash. And specifically, I'm thinking of Ibis. Like Ibis was um, press fit and then has gone back. Which press fit standard did they use? They were 92 and then went back to threaded. Right. And I think part of that, if I if I were making this decision right now, I'd probably go, if I were a bike designer, I'd probably go threaded because I think that sells more bikes. And I don't think it's, I don't think there's a strong enough argument to be made for design trade-offs, you know, with functionality. Right. So I would just go with what I think is going to sell. But do you think yeah. like a, maybe like the PF92, you can get a stiffer bottom bracket with yeah. less material and lighter? Lighter. It's a lighter overall. For sure, it's a lighter overall system. But the yeah, See, I, I, here's my here's my kind of argument. 
if press fit, if thread is better, why are our headsets not threaded into our frames? And a BB. So my my prediction ten years ago is that they would have been. My prediction was that if you asked me ten years ago where the industry is going to go, I was going to say headsets would be threaded. And from what I understand, bike is the only industry that does that uses threads the way we use them. Like these sorts of interfaces, I think in most design yes. areas are press fits. Correct. For yeah, pivot pivot bearing things. Or anything, yeah, yeah, or any anything where you have to have a semi permanent connection between two large pieces, like right. Well, originally, I mean, the original threaded design was an entire cartridge system that went inside, right? And it was all coaxial, one unit. And then we went to these separate. That's when cups. we got rid of them cotter cranks and went cotterless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then and then it went to these two sided things. Um, so anyway, it was, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's nice to see a lot of brands going back to, to threaded bottom brackets. Agreed. And maybe road they want, <clears throat> maybe they don't suffer from the same, um, abuses different, but maybe not the same. And they're looking for, and even if they do, they're willing to sacrifice that for lighter, uh, right. less material. You know what? Here's a theory. Business. Maybe the reason why Christopher and us don't hear roadies complaining about BB 30 is because we don't hang out with roadies. <laughs> just be. just floating that one out there yeah <laughs> nothing against roadies and, and, and actually i do hang out with some roadies but compare like i couldn't have a, a podcast show i couldn't i would be not a very good host or guest on a road podcast show i'd be an okay <laughs> host or guest maybe yes <laughs> there'd be a lot of why do you <laughs> so you like shavers are gonna let me talk to you so so here's a little side note and something that that I learned is if you ever want to start riding road, you need to go to a website called the Velominati and it has all the rules of road. Mm. And it's like the, the official rules of like your bar tape and your seat have to match. Um, all, all these like classic roadie rules. All and if you codes. follow those rules and go to a group ride, you'll be safe. All the codes. It's lots of rules, <laughs> very lengthy rules. And it's called the Velominati. So if you ever, if you're ever poking around the internet and killing some time, read through those rules and you'll get a chuckle. Maybe she got took a took a page from the Velominati. She could have. She yeah. could have. <laughs> I hope she's okay. <laughs> I wonder, would we would we ever stay there again? <laughs> well, there's no tent camping anywhere in the city, from what I remember. I That's think right. I saw it, a sign. That is a rule. No tent camping. So that city has rules too. That, that's a Sedona rule. Yeah. Sharon Stone doesn't approve. <laughs> what? Sharon Stone lives in Sedona. I did not know that. Ah, interesting. See that I there think. was a big Lebowski line. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, dude. So, yeah. So where to next? Uh, more listener questions. Uh, we have so many. Should we answer the question about the cross fork versus the regular rigid fork? Sure. Short and sweet. Hi, guys. I love the show, but I have a question. It's an interesting lead-in. So I'm starting to do XZ mountain biking. I used to do skateboarding. Sorry. I started to do XZ mountain biking, and I was wondering what is the difference between a cross fork and an XZ fork because I'm updating my 1993 GT Timberline hardtail, and it has a rigid fork. 
So a cross fork is not going to have as much tire clearance as a mountain bike fork, and it's probably going to have a different axle to crown and a different offset or rake. Mm-hmm. So all the dimensions are different. It's just different. It's different. Built Don't put it on your mountain bike. I probably wouldn't recommend that. Um, even though it has um, canty posts, which if your bike's that old, probably need canty posts. But yeah, try to get a, a mountain bike fork. Preferably, sometimes they have them called suspension corrected. Although I'm not super familiar on all the dimensions of what makes a fork suspension corrected or not. I think, I think it my, just rides a little higher. I think my suspension corrected suspend or um, fork is right around the eye to eye of a or axle to crown. Axle to crown, sorry, of an eighty. Oh, okay. What's that carbon thing? Who makes that? Is that Richie? Richie. Ah, okay. Yeah. Or who lab- who puts a label on it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Richie puts I a sticker on it and sure. sells it to you. That thing is 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 getting older too. So I, f- I sometimes wonder if I should replace that sometime. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> oh man, carbon fatigues well. <laughs> should we do Cameron's question? Sure. Cameron, um, Cameron wants to know when manufacturers publish bottom bracket heights on full suspension bikes, is that measured with unloaded or loaded? Or sag, in other words, is is the bike sagged or not sagged? So you want you want anyone want to jump in on this one? I'll I'll let you answer it with certainty. I I I would say it's unsagged as un, far as I know. Unsagged as far as I, I, I'm sure that there's not a, an answer that's going to capture every manufacturer, but I always read it as unsagged. Um, unsagged is is my understanding of the kind of conventional way to express that. Yes. That would be my understanding as also well. Also known as static. Static. So not just bottom bracket height, but you're also going to get the fork, the head angle, the seat tube angle, the wheelbase. Wheelbase. Um, yeah, as the fork, as the bike compresses, wheelbase gets shorter. You're right. Standover height. So he also wonders why Rocky Mountain doesn't publish their bottom bracket heights, and he he acknowledges that it might be difficult with the Ride Nine, but also points out that they handle that on head angle and stuff. And I don't know why I think they should. And I think giant should too. Yep. Either height or drop. Give us something. Yeah, I would both. say give us both and let me switch between metric and Imperial <laughs> with a click of a button. <laughs> yes. And fries with that, please. Yes. I completely agree with both of those. That's I think so we nice. should all work on bottom bracket drop and not bottom bracket height, but <laughs> that's because bottom bracket height requires a tire size assumption a wheel diameter or a tire diameter yeah a tire diameter od assumption for the uh, calculation uh, uh, right i i've kind of wondered if and i've sometimes meant to do this drop is a real number that you can list for a frame yes and it's um, height is going to change depending on what tires you put on there correct and how wide the rims are but if you always did if you if the manufacturers always assumed the same tire diameter, a twenty-seven and a half or twenty-nine, even though it's ne- probably never right, um, then the the two numbers should be they com- should comparable. they should add out. But yeah, when you go from manufacturer to manufacturer, sometimes you can back calculate if they list drop and height, and you oftentimes can, they're not. Yeah, they don't jive. Yeah. There, there's a slight difference in tire OD. Right, and but you that's know what? Because like, a twenty-six inch wheel is like twenty-six and a half. 
Right. I sort of misspoke too when I said a frame by itself has a, a, a clear bottom bracket drop because it's you, gotta, you have to you have, have, have a axle to crown in there. You have to have a fork assumption. That's why I like with Kona, and I'm not even sure if they update it. I was actually looking. I, I need to double check that. But like when I'm checking geometry on say like the, the hey hey with a yeah. well the hey hey specifically because right. they have them with different fork heights. You're right. And I think Some they come just one twenties. Well, I think they. I thought I remember some sites adjust for that when they're when they have. I thought Kona does that. I you know I don't. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Yeah. So geometry, as unfortunate as it sounds, when you're comparing geometry, some of the numbers you have to take with a grain of salt. Some sometimes you just got to understand. Like, there's some like how there were some years where certain brands just said their bottom brackets were higher than they were because they knew no one was ready to deal with the bottom bracket that low mentally. <laughs> like even today. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you like to ride the bike. <laughs> Don't yeah. make it assumption complete or completely off the numbers. And there's little things like, you know, like stack and reach change with fork position. Reach changes with fork. Yep. Like the higher, when you bump up the fork height, reach shortens. You know, you could say, like, in a theoretical, hypothetical world, if you could have a fork that was three times as long as it should be, that would put the bike near vertical and your reach would be... That's the extreme case, yeah. So, as you as you go up, it shortens reach. Right. So, anyway, there's little little differences and little Not changes. Not by a totally insignificant amount, either. And also, even if you add headset spacers. Correct. Adding headset spacers shortens reach. Not the reach of the frame, but the effective reach of your setup. Uh, yes, correct. Or if you take out the dust cap. (laughs) (laughs) That half a millimeter. Should we address, Uh, um, Holden's email? Sure. Did you notice how I called it an email and not a listener question? I, I did. did. It's because it's not a question. It's a suggestion. Okay. But I think it's worthy. I think that it's one that maybe it's a good suggestion. I don't know. Um, Holden heard Nathan talking about using... Hydration bl- not using a hydration bladder in his pack because they're a pain to keep clean and dry. And Holden suggests freezing the bladder. He suggests ritzing it out right after the ride. Um, and he says, even with drink mix, if you freeze it after the ride, you won't get any problems. That kind of makes sense. I guess maybe the germs can't grow in the freezer. They just grow yes. slower. They just Much grow slower. slower. Um, yeah, fair enough. I still use bottles in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could fit. I don't think I could fit the Camelbacks in my in my freezer. Well, I, wish, I think he's saying you empty it, fold it up, and put it in the freezer. Not not full. I wish Holden I could explain could to me it. how to run a bladder and still send a statement that the kids would respect. Stylistically, wait one more time. <laughs> I want Holden to tell me how to run a bladder and still like look cool to the kids. Ah, yeah. I'm like getting older now, and it's starting to become important. But as as a younger man, I didn't care about my image. But as I get older, I need so, the kids to understand that I'm hip to the scene. Cool. So now the the cool kid thing is to stuff a uh, crystal geyser bottle into your waistband of your shorts. That's uh, in the waistband. That's that's the cool one. You don't Some even pe- have a water bottle because your downhill bike don't have a water bottle cage. What about the crystal geyser in in the pocket of your dickies? Uh, I, I think, think that might be that might be cool too. Valid in certain communities. Yeah. Yes. Winston. Winston. Man before his time. Dickies might be. Um, Dickies might be too loose fitting for the youth. Oh. 
tight jeans. It's very complicated. Or maybe you just start to deal with I'm dehydration. I'm just get a face tattoo. <laughs> then then should, I, to breakfast should I accompany you and start packing? I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hit Randy? We got Randy's got an email. Uh, Randy. Yeah, okay. Randy, Randy congratulated Nathan on um, the Kamikaze Games result, which I agree, Nathan deserves another <laughs> round of congratulations on that one. That <laughs> was solid. Um, he wants to know what's going on with Fork Offset. He's noticed that um, fifth, you know, on 29s you get 51, um, 46. What's going on with Fork Offset? Um, so anyone want to jump in on that? Actually, I think you have the best grasp on it, but I mean, generally speaking, more more offset reduces mechanical trail, and so the more offset, the tighter, the twistier, the quicker your bike will turn, and the less offset, the more like self-centering the wheel will have, or more slowish turning. More, I, I agree with that, all of that, and um, there's the kind of counter point to that that more offset creates a longer wheelbase. So even though from a mechanical steering trail standpoint, the more, more offset allows for quicker steering from a wheelbase standpoint, it's slowing the steering down. So it's kind of, it's having two different opposing, it's having two opposing impacts on your steering. Right. And then in addition to that, by getting the front wheel further out in front of you, I think it also makes it a little harder to go over the bars, just like a Correct. slacker head angle would. But like for example, Giant used it on that first generation rain. They had a custom offset, which was so the bike was really slack, had a sixty-five degree head angle. And so to keep the bike steering a little quicker, they increased the offset of the fork. And I think they had kind of an exclusive on that for a while. And um so it made the bike not have as much steering trail and uh so it would steer a little quicker, but you'd still get the benefits of the slack head angle. And, and the, so you'd still get that not over the bars feeling, Yep. but the bike would turn a lot quicker. Yep. So Same when, idea with the 29 forks. Exactly. So, yep. so when Randy says, however, the latest 2017 process 111 uses a 51 millimeter offset with a 130 travel instead of the prior generation using a 46 millimeter offset 120. The process 111? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, basically they're trying to get it to steer a little quicker. Right. Yeah. And I want to I rewind and just kind of define the terms a little bit. So, offset, sometimes called rake, is anything that any L, any, it can be the crown, it can be in the crown or in the dropouts, or it can be the angle that the legs come out of the crown. It's anything that puts, that, that creates an offset between the dropouts and the lower headset cup say or, or right the well it's the, the it's the axis of the front front axle distance from the axis this true steering axis of the bike that's a perfect explanation so yeah like on a road fork it comes from the sweep or this that you know the curvature of the fork right whereas like a mountain bike it's straight and there's you know the axles like on front of the dropouts which is like cast out in front of the fork leg and then the fork crown has a little bit of offset right. all all of which is running parallel on and that all of which fork. are interchangeable in terms of outcome of offset and steering trail and what we're talking about correct it all mm -hmm. boils down to offset or rake road roadie road bikes typically refer to as rake mountain bikes typically refer to as offset 
Sweet. Cool. Good question. Good answer. You think that's that's a good amount of questions for one night, right? Yeah. I think that is. Um, how, how long have we been going? Uh, we're at an hour 15. Should we start our fantasy build that we're talking about, or should we save that for the next show? I think that could go long. It could go long. We could talk about the Yeti cooler. Yeah, I would say let's wrap up with the Yeti cooler. <laughs> I read on the internet that those make you look douchey. <laughs> okay, so here, here's here's a pretense of the Yeti cooler. This kind of loops back into our Sedona trip. Ah, we came so, back to it. Yes, <laughs> we did come back to it. <laughs> nice, Ock. Um, so when we were on the trip, we, we went in Tawny's new Sprinter van, and one of the things that he had in his Sprinter van was a a Yeti cooler, fairly fairly big one. Not because I'm a useless feminine hygiene product product <laughs> that actually makes you less hygienic. <laughs> but yet Yeti is Yeti is a pretty cool company. They make some really premium drinkware. They make some really premium coolers. And I think us being in the outdoor space and camping and mountain biking and stuff like that, we're into really cool outdoor equipment. And uh, anyway, I thought we sh- could get Yeti coolers are pretty expensive. But they're really, really high end. Tawny has one. I thought he could comment on if anybody's thinking about getting one. His his thoughts on being the proud owner so, of a Yeti cooler. I'm going to start by telling you the things that sold me on it, other than the opportunity to come off as an egocentric, materialistic narcissist. <laughs> um, in the van, it serves a double function as a step to get up onto the upper bunk bed. It's perfectly sized. And it's and it's sturdy. Like the cooler yeah. I had before, the, the lid would always flex, and I just felt weird about it. Mm. Yeah, I stepped on this Yeti cooler a couple of times. It is solid. Right. And then the other thing is there's that kind of wire rack shelf thing mm-hmm. that it comes with that keeps yeah. like certain stuff out of the f- melting ice, and then you don't get like... Melting yeah. ice on your candy bar or whatever that's wrapped back up or whatever. You don't get your dozen eggs in a cardboard container. Right. That- Everything doesn't have to be watertight in the cooler. Right. You have this space that's like safe. Yes. So those were some of the selling points. And I happened to have some gift cards to blow at REI. <laughs> and again, I really like the opportunity to come off as just a guy you wouldn't want to hang out with <laughs> that's really focused on himself and maybe takes advantage of women. <laughs> So, I I had no such image. I actually you thought know, Yeti Oakley was also a... has this image to some people. We, this is the, the yes, like on the internet today while I was reading reviews of coolers, I heard that one of the other reviews compared Yeti to the Oakley of coolers, <laughs> which I I rock some Oakley shades sometimes that Nathan gave me. <laughs> yes, yes, but it does keep the ice cold for a long time. It is sturdy. It doesn't seem like it's going to go into the plastic trash pile anytime in the next 10 years. And that was one of my things. Like, I've had some pretty good coolers. In fact, I have the same, like, three-day cooler that Auk does. But, like, I've had it for maybe six or eight years. And, like, I think it's going to end up in the plastic trash pile in the next three or four years. Like, it's starting to kind of delaminate a little. and Right. And I'm hopeful that this one will maybe last long enough to. Kind of like that metal Coleman cooler that that my parents had that they probably so, still uh, have. I was looking at those at REI too. I almost got one. I probably should have gotten that. It's a lot less douchey. <laughs> and, and that thing might last 50 years. I don't know about the new ones, yeah. but my parents. So the new ones don't, I was looking at reviews of this as well. The new ones apparently don't have or have a little bit more plastic than the old ones, even the metal one. Right. But 
it is it's a nice looking piece. But also the lid on that Coleman cooler surprisingly is not as step worthy as the I tested it in REI. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I, I did it. <laughs> I guess I never I never had quite the association with with douchey products to Yeti, but I think they make I'm really very solid. sensitive. <laughs> I have a I have a meter. I'm very I'm very self-conscious about this. <laughs> I I think it's they make really cool stuff. I mean, I can attest to their drinkware. Um so I uh I also stopped running Envy rims for this reason. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, just, just kidding, kind of. <laughs> um, Who commented to you on this recently? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I have one of their drink cups that a, a friend of mine gave me, um, who actually works at Yeti, and uh, it's super solid. It's uh, their their drinkware is really well, nice and too. that lid does seal well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it looks like, you know, it looks like maybe 10 years from now after storing it in the, in, in, in your garage that if those, if the, the little latches. If, yeah. Those are replaceable. Those must be replaceable. Yeah. yeah Cause they're like, cool. they're like rubber style poles that you'd yeah. find on like a old Jeep. Yeah. Like, um, hood or something like that. So anyway, I, I was really impressed with the core. I thought it was. I was impressed. I thought it was too. super cool. I did not think douchey. I thought like, oh man, this is this is cool. I can one imagine. man's doucheyness is another man's wonder toy. <laughs> well, I think it's. Kinda... I straddle the line on this a lot. Like I, I'm really attracted to things that um, some of my more kind of artistic, subversive friends would just be like, bro, oh hey, bro, like they just be, you know, you get the, you get the picture. Yeah. Anyway, yes, this isn't this isn't news to anybody. Well, I'm thinking about getting one of these. So I, I recently picked up a, a used Honda Element and uh, for camping and purposes and things like that. And so I'm thinking about getting one Yeti cooler for camping. It, you should totally get one, bro. <laughs> bro, seriously. Rock my Oakleys? <laughs> cool Oakleys, bro. Uh, uh, actually, what I read, too, is that if you want to maximize the douchey potential is you put the sticker that comes with it on your truck. Ah, Okay. So you put that Yeti sticker right on your truck. Yeah, see, you don't have a Yeti sticker on your computer yet. I'm going to put a path sticker on my Yeti, soften it up, it'll soften it up a little bit. <laughs> I, I, actually, I think you should make a stencil and spray paint. Ooh, that'll definitely send the right message and help me get back in the good graces of my punk rock friends. <laughs> I like it. There you go. Maybe also make a stencil of my dog's face and spray paint that on there, too. <laughs> yep. So you could put a bird on it. Put a bird on it. It's <laughs> a good idea. It, that will, I might it, do all of these things. Yes. <laughs> well, it is white. That's Needs cool. a lot of flair. All the Yeti coolers are, tend to be the plastic ones anyway are all white. So I guess does it does it actually seem to keep ice longer than previous coolers? It doesn't keep ice longer than a good normal cooler, in my opinion. Maybe a little longer. Okay. But the durability of it is notably. But, I mean, that three day cooler that both Ock and I owned, it was probably what, like a sixty dollar cooler or something. And yeah, probably. So you know, a fourth the price, a fifth the price, and I would say it keeps ice. Not having done a scientific test, I'd say it keeps ice in the same range of time. Okay. But it's not as good of a shape. It's not as sturdy. I don't think. It, I hope this one lasts longer. It doesn't see, seem to have as good of a seal. 
Um, and it doesn't have that little rack. The rack is nice. It doesn't have the nice rack. rack. Your Yeti cooler has a nice rack. Man, but you could pack that three-day cooler with... A lot of stuff. <laughs> but also, the three-day cooler doesn't have as much surface area. Like, it's more deep and less wide. That's sort of what I liked about it. Oh, you like it deep. Yeah, deep. <laughs> deep and wide? Deep and wide. Remember the deep, there's that really deep, remember when we figured out, remember when we figured out how deep the hole was? Oh <laughs> oh. So there's a very deep hole in there, Sedona. Oh, okay. Back the sign actually hole. says very deep hole. It does say very deep so hole. So back, here's the other thing, here's, here's the takeaway of this, that it, it will loop around to this, but there is a, there is full 4G coverage on the trails in most of Sedona, where we had to look this up that is true. and sit down and dig into our phones and answer this. But, so there was a big sinkhole. <laughs> and so we were like, how deep is it? And we couldn't see the bottom. So we tossed a rock and counted it. And it was about three seconds. It was about so three seconds. So we very scientifically timed it by counting 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then we, we then proceeded to spend, as we were riding... Literally, the three of us were in a conga line, like having this conversation about the the uh, the physics of it. Right. And finally, we got and we sat down. And we, uh, it was we like were, first we had to figure out if ten meters per second per second is you're adding ten meters a second every second, or if you're multiplying by ten meters a second every yes, second. Exactly. We got to the bottom of that. Yes. And then I had to wrap my brain around the fact that. During that second, you're you're only going the maximum speed at the end of the second. You're actually averaging yep. half of that. I think that right. was one of the last calculations we did. Yes. So well, it, I think Nathan just told me. <laughs> I didn't calculate anything. I was just like, oh, right. So anyway, you might have had to tell me twice. We 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 eventually uh, um, got when we sat down. We pulled out our phones, looked up the uh, the you know physics equations of motion and and then figured it out because so, i think i sent us on the i sent us on the multiplication and, well it's the way it's noted that's how i would read it like yeah, yeah no yeah to the te- to the power it's noted the same way as if it was to the power of yep right yep. but that's but not then it didn't in this it, particular context is very important I said, yes. And I initially was like, that means this thing is like a thousand feet deep. And we figured out pretty quick that probably stuff isn't accelerating that fast, too. That just doesn't feel right. I think you guys said, ah, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Well, that's what the equation is telling us. How fast it's going. Well, it wasn't going three thousand meters. This whole obviously obviously isn't. So anyway, the next time you're you're in, in... that's faster than my AR (laughs) fifteen. But there's terminal velocity, so it obviously wasn't going that fast. Yes, yes, this is true. So uh, anyway, yes, we we were we were debating physics for a solid 15 minutes while yeah. riding the I would say we were back. reconstructing physics. We were. It, was. I think it we wasn't actually... so much a debate because it was like, well, is it this or is it this? We're like, oh, well, you couldn't. There, was, it doesn't there, really, there wasn't okay, a lot of contradicting, that, more that just introducing right. ideas yeah. and okay, thoughts. Okay, so that feels better. Yes. Yeah, okay, let's move it, on. Past, and then we were like, it okay, was, that feels better. Okay, but, yeah, that seems better. What I was surprised is this was a very fluid discussion while riding technical trails in Sedona (laughs) amongst three people. It wasn't two guys. It was like the conversation was getting bounced back and forth. So like (laughs) I was talking to Ak, but Tani could still hear me. And so we were all having this discussion while like lunging up rocks and ledges and things like that. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So physics in Sedona. 
It was about, cool. About the depth of the vortices holes or whatever they are. Pretty impressive hole. It was a big, wide and deep. It was a wide, deep hole, and we figured out how deep the hole was. I wonder was. if it makes her uncomfortable that that hole's up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a sign that says, I think the sign said, do not throw rocks in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feed the hole. <laughs> so, said, like, do not cross the fence or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yes. The hole was protected from us by a fence. Not a hole entrance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I think man. maybe we're talking about the wrong hole. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So on that note, <laughs> on that note, we'll 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 wrap it up. Um, again, thanks for listening. Keep sen- sending us questions, and and we will try to uh, keep getting through them slowly but surely. Um, and don't forget to listen to all the other shows on Mountain Bike Radio. I recently started um, reviewing some of the Apex Nutrition podcasts. They're always great, especially the daily nutrition ones. I've been listening to those, and it gives me tons of ideas on like when I'm lazy and bored and don't want to cook anything, which is most of the time what I can easy, you know, safely and quickly make, um, that that's not going to be terrible and, uh, race nutrition, um, supplements, all that stuff. So I think it's just an absolute fantastic show. Um, and, uh, yeah, keep, keep sending us questions to sales at the pathbikeshop.com. Um, if you can, in the, in the subject line, put path or a podcast question that helps us sort them out and, um, and participate in the hashtag on Instagram, hashtag, uh, path podcast. All right. Thanks for, thanks for bearing with our maybe least bike centric podcast today. Quite possibly. You can criticize us, criticize or compliment in email. That's the truth. <laughs> and, uh, love the bike you ride everybody. Yeah. Love the bike you ride. All right. Love the bike. Good night.